Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hey everyone, ahead of the Lok Sabha polls in the coming months, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman will present an interim budget on February 1st, that is the upcoming Thursday. This, albeit a vote on account, will be her sixth consecutive budget speech. equaling a record with former prime minister moraji desai and the last budget of the current union government expectations on the budget announcements are palpably high given the aspirations of 140 crore plus indians who want all round economic development besides inclusive and sustainable growth coming as it does at a time when india as the world's fastest growing large economy is poised to grow at 7% this fiscal and likely to maintain this tempo next fiscal too all eyes are on sita raman to see how the center would help maintain growth momentum in the economy analysts investors and economy watchers are also keen to know as to how the center would find a right balance between fiscal consolidation and encouraging growth putting more money in in the hands of indian middle class while sending a clear message to foreign investors reaffirming the country's reformist credentials with just a day left for the d day business line spoke to upasna bardwaj chief economist at kotak mahindra bank to gauge our perspectives and understand what may be in store for india from the interim budget through this interaction with upasna i hope to give you all listeners a flavor of the expectations from the interim budget the likely direction and approach the government will take on various economic issues around budgeting and the story behind those numbers here is a brief introduction of my guest today upasna bardwaj chief economist at kotak mahindra bank heads the economic research for the bank she has been part of the group since 2011 upasna's expertise lies in analyzing domestic as well as global macroeconomic issues and their implications on the financial markets worldwide she comes with a diverse background having worked with ing vaisya bank icici bank and the energy research institute prior to her research role she had served as an economics lecturer at the delhi university upasna holds mphil and masters degree in economics from the delhi school of economics Welcome to the BL State of the Economy podcast, Upasna. We are now meeting at the beginning of a year, and uh, at uh, quite an interesting time when there is all-round optimism on the growth prospects for the Indian economy. So let me straight away dive into the uh, topic at hand, which is on the seven percent growth trajectory that is being. envisioned for the economy my first question to you upasna is uh, uh 
this podcast happens on the heels of finance ministry's latest report or uh, should i call it a review report of the economy where it talks of the country could aspire for a 7 trillion dollar economy by 2030 i wanted your take on this and how realistic do you see this projection or this aspiration to be over the last 6 to 7 years i would say a lot of reformist measures the remedial measures have been taken and the economy which was earlier ailing under a lot of uh, we've emerged out of that and now when the foundation is set and the stage is set i think a 7% plus uh, growth a cagr over the next 6 years is doable and uh, somewhere close to 7 trillion dollar economy can be achieved by 2030 sure. so going by this uh, uh, growth rate that the economy is now clocking you expect the 5 trillion mark to be reached by 26 27 yes do you see the interim budget pressing the accelerator on the fiscal consolidation front given that india is now included in the jp morgan's global emerging markets index from june this year absolutely i think a few you know firstly like you said it's a vote on account for an interim budget so you know we should not really expect too much of aggressive announcements that the government can come about and the finance minister has already indicated that they would not really be we should not be expecting any major announcements that is one thing to remember but having said that i think the broad pillars of growth uh, which uh, which uh, you know we've witnessed even the in the previous budgets as well will continue to dominate the theme of the budget uh, even um, in the upcoming budget as well so i think the key themes which the finance minister will again reemphasize is that the infrastructure focus does remain intact uh the rural development is going to be important with an emphasis somewhere on gender equality i think uh, somewhere the female male uh, income ratios and all will be crucial and we'll see probably some minor uh, measures which could come about attempting to bring in some kind of equality there uh, i think there will be enough focus on clean energy renewables and, and that is something which i believe will continue not just in this coming budget but in the subsequent uh, budgets uh, for the years to come Uh, ease of doing business uh, further push to make in india and like you mentioned most importantly their commitment to fiscal consolidation they would definitely uh, go ahead with announcing and uh, showing their in, intention to adhere to a, a severe consolidation path and i'll just mention one thing here what is important to keep in mind is after the inclusion announcement of india's bonds uh government bond in the global bond index it has become of much more important to become fiscally prudent it gives india less headroom to you know be relaxed on that front uh given that now foreign investors will be uh, will be viewing the fiscal parameters much more closely uh, especially because if we were to compare india uh, india's whole macro fundamentals the whole macro uh, matrix then apart from the fiscal side every other matrix is a shining star uh, it's only the debt to gdp ratios of the fiscal deficits of the country which are a little on the weak spot so i think this is one thing which i do believe that government will adhere to and we 
are looking at a reasonable uh, roadmap which will be set, which they've in fact already announced that they will be achieving 4.5% uh, in the next two years. So they will have to announce a, accordingly 5.3 or 5.4% fiscal deficit for the coming year. And then another 100 basis almost uh, consolidation in the subsequent year. There is no uh, way, you know, where they can really not do something like that. Sure. So my one point of, uh, 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 I mean, I'm just curious, right? Without the bond inclusion announcement, anyway, market uh, observers and analysts were predicting a glide path, which will take our fiscal deficit from 5.9 to 5.4, right? Right. So do you at all see a, a further stretch to send a strong signal to the international investor community? Do you think uh, there will be an attempt to go down up to 5.2 or 5.3, as you said? Will there be an extra effort or this is par for the course anyway? We were expecting 5.4, right? Absolutely. See, ideally, if they were to achieve 4.5% by FY26, then the 150 basis of a consolidation in two years has to be evenly distributed. Otherwise, it becomes unreal, right? So uh, clearly, they should move towards a 75 to 80 basis of a, a consolidation in one year in order to achieve uh, in the two years consolidation part that they have set. So ideally 5.2, 5.3 should have been a, a right number to announce so that they can really show their intention of achieving a 4.5% next, uh, the subsequent year. But having said that, honestly, I think a 0.5% is a more realistic consolidation that can happen. And that's the reason I believe 5.4 or maybe you know 5.3 best case uh, they can stick to. Especially, I want to highlight one thing. The reason being, last year's tax buoyancy was, uh, uh, FI24's tax buoyancy has been very high. And we do not expect the tax buoyancy of that level to continue into next year. And hence, somewhere expenditure cuts and expenditure pruning is going to be much more important. We believe the fiscal consolidation, much of it is going to be arrived by, you know, a much lower growth on capital expenditure, unlike the previous year uh, years. In fact, since the pandemic, we have seen that the government has really stuck to a very high growth on uh, capital expenditure. We believe that th that is going to be toned down to just a very low double digit numbers, maybe, you know, between 10 to 15 percent, that kind of a growth rather than having a 30, 30 percent plus kind of a Y and Y growth that we were witnessing earlier. So, mm -hmm. I do believe that somewhere expenditure pruning is going to be much more important, especially in the backdrop of a lower tax buoyancy compared to last year. And hence, I'm saying that I don't, I mean, I'll find 5.2% much more difficult to be achieved, but I cannot rule that out. I, I definitely believe that 5.2 will set, a, a, set the intention very clear that they are going to be taking this up very seriously. Now, the expectations are very high, especially among industry that the juggernaut will continue and uh, there is going to be a, a sizable bump up. So can you leave me with a number on what you expect the CapEx projection for 24-25 is likely to be from, say, beyond 10 lakh crore, which we saw last year? Uh, we are going with a 15% growth approximately. 
so I, I think around 11.2, 11.3 lakh crore is where we are going with. I think anything beyond that um, mm -hmm. at this point looks difficult. Like I said, you know, if fiscal consolidation, uh, they have to stay the path, mm -hmm. then they will have to cut down on capital expenditure growths. And uh, up to 15% is where we're looking at. So 11.2, 11.3% lakh crore. So given the last three-year track record, uh, that should lead me to a conclusion that there will be a slowdown in the CapEx allocation, right? Uh, yes, the growth. There will be a higher in, level, yeah. higher number. But yes, the okay. growth has to mm. definitely slow down. And and, and uh, so uh, two takeaways what you have shared is one, you feel the next year's fiscal consolidation will primarily be uh, expenditure led in the sense that uh, cutting down on expenditure and at the same time reducing the allocation for capex am i right there yes i would just like to add one more thing i think there is a little bit room on subsidy uh, allocations a reduction on the subsidy funds side as well uh, fertilizer uh, subsidy particularly not food uh, because food has its uh, own stickiness attached to it but we do see some room for uh, lower budget uh, for the fertilizer subsidy. So uh, apart from CapEx. So that leads me to the big uh, question of uh, the podcast is uh, we are doing this in an election year, right? So how do you see the government uh, looking at subsidies do, or the welfare measures allocation? Mm, uh, you know, it is normal logic to expect these allocations to go up in a budget year, right? in an election year, right? So how do you see them panning out? One, on the subsidy side, I think uh, they would be reducing the allocations, as I mentioned. Uh, on the food subsidy, I expect that to increase a little. But on the, uh, on the fertilizer subsidy side, I expect um, a fair amount of reduction, about 20, 30,000 crore of a reduction. Uh, meanwhile, on the rural development, the agricultural segment, I do expect some announcements to come. Uh, like I mentioned, somewhere about gender equality, somewhere uh, the scheme under which uh, the annual payouts to the farmers, so the female farmer um, uh, category could be receiving much more funds, uh, annual uh, funds. So there could be some segregation happening. So I do expect a little better allocation under the rural development category, agricultural category. Uh, these are the two segments rather than subsidies. Sure. So uh, uh, in, in a sense, uh, uh, you would not like to uh, draw to a conclusion that the budget will be populist. Yes, I think it's difficult in this at this point, number one, because uh, there uh, the commitment to fiscal consolidation is much more important at this point. Secondly, uh, we should also keep in mind that there is a little bit of confidence post the state elections and the need for going all over populist will be limited. Got that. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And, and, and therefore, how does the private investment story play out? What is your expectation? Because there are differing uh schools of thought and uh, stances right so what is the true picture of private investments are they back or they are still work in progress 
I would say work in progress. Uh, you know, clearly over the last few years, the private capex cycle has been the missing link in India's growth story. Last decade, rather, I would say broadly, mm -hmm. and uh, it has been in the, in the last few years. It's been mostly public sector investments. Now, I think uh, again the foundations are laid. Given that we have, uh, you know, the, uh, banks are much better placed in terms of their balance sheets, um, in terms of having the ability to lend better. The corporate sector balance sheets are also better paired. Uh, they have been repaired. Uh, repaired. If you look at uh, the NPA ratios of banks, that is also very low now, minimal. Uh, you know, most of the corporates have deleveraged. Uh, so, you know, we, we are not really worried on the quality, asset quality side. So I think somewhere the foundations are laid. But having said that, uh, maybe there is there are some more quarters to go before we can really see a clear um, broad-based pickup in private investment. I think right now what's really happening is it is very selective uh, pickup that's happening. Whatever announcements that we're hearing uh, or for you know going ahead, there are very selective in key uh, infra-linked sectors. But my sense is a broad-based private uh, investment cycle will pick up or not before three to four quarters. Sure. So how do you react to the finance ministry's stance which says that private sector investments have started crowding in and banks are now stepping up the uh, credit uh, of uh, credit disbursements to the private sector. Is that really playing out? I think very in the very early stages they are. So I I would still say if I if I look at the bank credit to the large corporates, mm -hmm. uh, even for the medium corporates actually uh, medium sized corporates, uh, it's it's not really meaningful at this point. Um, and uh, you know we are not seeing too much of an offtake, uh, loan offtake or a credit offtake happening for the industry sector as a whole. The whole more much of the credit offtake that is happening is actually retail led. That is one thing to keep in mind. So clearly at this point, uh, I would not say that the private capex, uh, whatever increase in uh, credit offering that's happening, I would say has mostly been uh, working capital led, not capex led. Sure. So, so for now, yes, it's work in progress. It's beginning. It's early signs of pickup that we are seeing. Mm -hmm. And that should begin incrementally contributing. So yes, the crowding in has started, but it's it's yet to you know pick up pace. So in your radar, when do you see actually an upturn in private investments? When do you see the uh, animal spirits coming back? You know, animal spirits, I would say, Shivats, it's still there. You know, it's like optimism is there. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, we are looking at India really uh, growing very well compared to the rest of the world. Uh, so, you know, confidence is there. I think what is important is somewhere there is a state of flux between, you know, how global growth will pan out post the most aggressive rate hikes that we've seen in recent history, um, because, you know, that too has a bearing on private capex. Uh, plus, at the same time, domestically, there is a lot of, um, you know, uncertain mixed patch of data, which is suggesting that there's a little bit of saturation on saturation on urban demand and rural demand is a little bit mixed. So when we settle, I think when a little bit better clarity comes about on these global and domestic factors, let's say in the next six months or so, is where I think we start seeing the incremental pace of credit, uh, of CapEx cycle picking up, private CapEx, that is. Sure. So do you see uh, schemes like the 
PLI yielding bigger dividends for the economy. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And as right. it already started playing out, because one does see some bump up in mobile manufacturing and areas like electronics. Yeah, I think two, three sectors where we are seeing traction already is, like you said, electronics. Uh, the other is the solar panels and all. And uh, the third is also the ACCs, the chemical cells, etc. So I think these are three sectors where we are already seeing a fair amount of traction. And all other sectors will slowly start, we'll start seeing the benefits arriving from that. Um, I think PLI is a very good scheme. It will be benefiting the manufacturing sector significantly. Both it will be promoting the Make in India scheme for sure. Uh, at the same time, exports, which I think is important to keep in mind, that exports as a percentage of our GDP, uh, it has been you know in the last let's say you know where it was eight to ten years back, it has the share share has come down. So I think this itself is going to reverse. So from a near 16, 17 percent of GDP as exports in two thousand fourteen or so. Today, uh, 10 years later, we are at around 13% or so. So I think this PLI scheme will help in again now reversing this trend. This even, downward trend. even though the quantum has bumped up to uh, $500, 600000000 billion. Hey, absolutely. So I think uh, what has happened is the CAGR of GDP has been much more than the CAGR of exports. Exports. Okay. So that's mm -hmm. over the 10 years I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So that takes me to the next question. The elephant in the room is the Red Sea trouble. Do you yes. do you do you see that uh, getting aggravated, or do you see that impacting our overall export performance this fiscal? I think this fiscal we may still sail through. You know, we'll have to two months of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. We may not see as much of disruption happening. But clearly, you know, geopolitics is something which has become a basic norm which we are living with now. You know, um, this is uh, now has become a base case which we have to live with for every um, with every period that we are referring to. Now, Red Sea clearly, if it sustains uh, this this issue, if it persists for too long, it will be impacting uh, the exports. Uh, see, at, as of now, it is a price effect that's happening. Because, you know, there's a rerouting re of ships that is happening. And that clearly will make things expensive. So one is the price effect. Then the other is uh, after a while when the prices rise so much, that it starts impacting demand. Because and of that's the inflation. When, absolutely. So that's when in, uh, the uh, overall exports may take a hit if this problem was to persist for too long. So clearly we'll have to be watchful on that. At the moment, I would say in the near term, I don't see too much of a risk because of that. But clearly, it will depend on the duration of the problem and the scale of the problem. Sure. So that takes me to a very interesting question on, uh, you know, given the uh, backdrop of this uh, Red Sea issue and also the fact that we are uh, have to have a budget before us, what do, what do you think is going to be an ideal uh, nominal GDP growth that you will pencil in for next year? Uh, are, we, yeah. are we going to see uh, a, a lower projection than the 10% that we saw last year? No, no. I think uh, we, we should be looking at about uh, somewhere in the range of 105 to 11%. We are at 10.8% for next year. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think somewhere close to that will uh, be where government will also, you know, use it for their estimates. 
you you don't see that happening no i don't see a sub 10% reading i i think it will be above 10% growth yeah yeah okay so uh, my then the last question is uh, are we going to see some surprises in terms of new scheme rollouts for the budget Sivats, I think, uh, you know, to expect too much from this uh, interim budget uh, is probably not right. Uh, it is not to say that uh, schemes haven't been announced in the previous interim budgets. Uh, yeah. uh, there have been some tweaks that have happened to the tax slabs and all in, I think, uh, uh, you know, 2009 uh, elections as well, uh, interim budget as well. But... Uh, but I would say that uh, the finance minister has kind of made it clear. So they would probably refrain from very big bank announcements. But there will definitely be tweaks to certain existing schemes where they can, wherever there will be scope, they will try to enhance the allocations. And as I mentioned, I do expect a shift away from urban infrastructure to rural infrastructure. So there will be allocations accordingly. Uh, there will be further allocations under the rural schemes, welfare schemes. Uh, so those kind so of minor you, changes will happen. Do you see a bump up in, say, PM Kisan or Mandrega? Uh, PM Kisan, I think there's scope for it. Like I mentioned before as well, I think there could be higher allocation. From 6,000 rupees, it could go up to 8,000 or 10,000. But it may not necessarily happen across the board for all farmers. Uh, it may happen for female farmers only. or you know. So we might see a little nuanced changes that would happen to these schemes. Sure. So my uh, last question is on disinvestment, right? Uh, for the third or fourth year, we are going to uh, have a situation where the government will miss the disinvestment <laughs> target. I think this year they are going to probably not even reach half of the last year's B. Uh, so how do you think this gap is going to be made good on the non-tax revenues? No, I think for this year, if you're uh, referring to, then we've had very good tax buoyancy. Mm -hmm. uh, tax collections have been good. We've had a much higher than budgeted um, RBI dividend to the government. Uh, so that is uh, going to be offsetting the loss from divestment. That is one. Uh, and of course, you know, within expenditure, there will be scope for some kind of expenditure pruning as well, wherever required. So I think this year, we're not really looking at a slippage. 5.9% can be managed as per the budget numbers. So, you know, we don't really see a risk to 5.9% being announced. For you don't see, as some commentators are saying, that it might even go to 6. You don't see that happening. So I, I'll just mention here that 6% is technically, even with the same absolute fiscal deficit number, which was budgeted, um, we still will have a 6% given that there is a downside uh, that has come about because of a GDP revision compared to the budget numbers. So because of that, naturally the 5.9 becomes 6% in terms of the ratio. But mm -hmm. like I said, there, there are upsides that we are seeing in total receipts and some amount of expenditure pruning, which is possible. And that may result in a 5.9 uh, still being achieved because it is about 0.1%. So that 6% is more a technical shift happening because the GDP number has been revised down. But for, but for the record, you expect her to say that we are sticking yes. to 5.9. Okay. 
Okay, got that. But coming back to disinvestment, right? Fifty-one thousand crore was the budget uh, budgeted, and uh, we were around ten to twelve thousand crores of actuals. So, how do you see uh, the government approaching this for the next fiscal? Uh, do you see them lowering the next fiscal's BE or uh, just to uh, reaffirm their uh, commitment to privatization, they will stick to the same uh, B levels for next year also. We have taken a much lower number for next year. Uh, now, again, we are looking at 5.4% fiscal deficit for next year. Uh, and mm -hmm. we believe that if realistically they put in a number for disinvestment uh, around, say, 20,000, 25,000 crore or so, uh, mm -hmm. then that could be achievable. But yeah, again, if they put something like uh, FY24's uh, BE numbers of 61,000 crore, mm -hmm. uh, then clearly uh, there will be a downside to that number because typically, like you said, we do see you know slippages there. Uh, but having said that, if they give a higher number for disinvestment here, then mm -hmm. the 5.4% of fiscal deficit can actually shift to a 5.2% easily, as I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So the ability for them, it depends on whether they want to show a aggressive fiscal consolidation and if they do want to, then they may actually use a higher number. My sense is instead of disinvestments, they would rather focus more on asset monetization scheme, which is parallelly happening. And hence, they should slowly and slowly reduce the allocations or receipts that, are, that they're expecting under the disinvestment here. Okay. But net-net, uh, you don't see a scaling down of the non-tax revenues? Um, not much. Okay. And and uh, final thought, uh, oil, the uh, crude oil uh, number that they will use to pencil in the projections, where do you think are they going to stand on that? Is there a number that you are looking at? I think it should be around 80, 80, 85. I think that's, that, that is reasonable to go with the 80, 85. Hmm. So net net, uh, you expect the budget to be a sort of uh, a continuation of the last two or three years in terms of the focus on capex while keeping a tight lid on the fiscal deficit. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you, Upasana. Thank you for all your insights and thoughts. Uh, it was great talking to you for a BL State of the Economy podcast. Thank you so much. My pleasure.